Reed's Ranch is proud to partner with Marcos Garza and the Garza Law Firm. If St. Patrick's Day got you, if the Sweet 16 celebration got you, and you or a loved one has made a mistake and got pulled over, then you need to listen to me right now. Marcos Garza and his team of lawyers are East Tennessee's premier DUI defense lawyers. They handle personal injury and criminal law as well. If you need legal representation, they'll either hook you up and get you a good result. If they don't want your case, they'll send you to somebody who's better equipped to get you what you need. Garzalaw.com, 865-540-8300. You can get in touch with them 24-7, 365. Before you say guilty, say Garza. You know what's coming on this podcast. Oh, it's a sweet, sweet, sweet celebration. Let's get to it. I mean, this is the last stand. You're listening to The Unfiltered. Well, I hate to say I told you so. There's nothing to be done besides to get on Twitter and tweet to all my dumbass followers. (laughs) But I told you so. Hey, I told you so. The controversial. He's a dumbass. He can't do math. He's an idiot. He gets his hair cut at Walmart. Look at that shitty haircut. The realest podcast in the Southeast. Let the dogs loose. <laughs> Let the goons be goons. 11 in a row. 11 in a row. 11 in a row. Enough. <laughs> 38 in a row. As in 38 on this point when we were whipping that ass. Ranch gang, stand up. The holy war is upon us. Welcome to Reed's Ranch, the podcast with Seth Hughes. Like, just quit acting like this is any fun at all. Another edition of Reed's Ranch, an edition of Reed's Ranch that's just too sweet. Seth Hughes joins me down in Alabama. What's up, Seth? Not much, John. Good to hear your voice as usual. It's always better to hear your voice after a big win. It is. It is. It reminds me why we still do this. To celebrate the wins with the boys. Yep. And what an amazing win. I mean, just... (laughs) I never thought in my life Tennessee would beat Duke by double digits in the NCAA tournament. This absolutely dominated them. Dominated them. Uh... They, you know, I mean, just absolutely worked them. I never in my life thought we would do that. Duke, they signed three top five players in the nation last year. You know, I mean, Tennessee doesn't have a point guard. Tennessee just worked them. Absolutely just enforced their will upon Duke. Yeah, it made a lot of sense whenever you got after the game where Uros was basically like, yeah, we basically just decided we're not going to let a bunch of freshmen end our careers. And you're kind of like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Like, at a certain point, you got to stop and think, well, Tennessee's got, you know, three or four grown-ass men, and there is a, a growing curve in college basketball. Like, sometimes we confuse the stars and the NBA draft for, like, good college players, and... Some of that, you know, gets really overblown because at the end of the day, like if it's a man's game and Tennessee made a man's game from the jump, it was very annoying seeing Uros, you know, get a couple fouls, including a flagrant. But it did set the tone from a very early stage. And the rest of the game played that played out that way. Uros is deserves a lot of what he gets, okay? But 
like, neither one of those fouls, like, the second one especially, I mean, they were ridiculous. Like, it, it, they, they were absolutely ridiculous, as was the, the... Okay, so is it always a foul if you hit someone with the ball? I don't. Th- I, I didn't think it was ever supposed to be a foul, like, if you hit someone with the ball. You know, I just, like, and nobody even, like... And I guess I said a flagrant at the beginning, but it was a foul where they got the shot and got the ball back. And right? got the ball Whenever. back, yeah. Yeah, so it wasn't a flagrant, but it was a foul, a dumb foul, while... They got a bucket, and it could have changed the game from an early uh, viewpoint. So, just wanted to correct that. Yeah, you know, I just it um, I didn't really understand why Santi's was a foul. Um, but well, you know, I, I, I get whenever you see somebody go down, and you do maybe hear some contact to the face, you think it's a foul. But I will say to the refs' credit, they went to review it for a flagrant. Obviously, saw the error of their ways. And then immediately gave us a makeup call on the next possession. Yeah, yeah. And they gave was, the ball right back to us. And that was true too. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I feel like my entire life I've just always wanted just once in the NCAA tournament when we're in a tight game for just somebody to have like a senior moment to just say like, "Look, I'm not losing. This is not going to be my last game." And finally, finally, we had it. And, like, I don't even think that it it really is all of that because we've seen Olivier do this before. And Olivier started out the game. Like, you, like it almost feels like with Olivier, you, you can tell from the beginning. And, like, he started out the game attacking. And they got him for two garbage fouls. And he got taken out. So he, he didn't get to play the first half. But, you know, in the second half, it was just like somebody, he was like, I'm not losing. I'm, my, my career is not ending. Oro said it. Santee played like that in the first half as well. I was mad against Louisiana for setting Santee with two fouls. I think that's a, I think automatic benchings with two fouls is dumb. You know, I, I yeah. don't like that. With big men, you know, I do think of it differently. So I didn't really have as much of a problem with Kumwa going to the bench with two fouls, especially since Tennessee was able to continue to play well. Yeah. With guards, I hate it. You know, I think you should trust your guards not to do anything dumb. With big men who can get attacked at the rim or, you know, have to give up layups, I think it's drastically different. But like you said, got called for two ticky-tack ones. And the second came, one especially. Came out the second half very rested and then just, yeah, went. Uh, caught complete fire. I mean, that was uh, as good of a half as I've seen a Tennessee basketball player play ever in my life. You know, I'm sure Bernard King had a couple of big ones and Allen Houston had a couple of big ones before I was really paying attention. But, like, that half of basketball with the stakes especially added to it, maybe the best half of basketball I've ever seen a Tennessee player play. Yeah. Um, all three seniors played good. And I know that Josiah had a rough first half, and like some of his shots, they weren't even close. But he played good in the second half, and he came out like he came out at the beginning of the second half, and he just buries a three. And Rick Barnes, like a lot has been said about Rick Barnes and his tournament uh success or lack thereof and rightfully so and he's been accused i think rightfully so of coaching very tight i did not think he did that at all and the players did not play tight at all i mean you think about all the stuff that has happened to rick barnes the NCAA tournament and when we had the sideline reporter interview him like at the tv timeout in the first half you know he's laughing talking about how great a game it was shaping up to be like he wasn't tight at all 
His seniors didn't play tight. I mean, Josiah kept shooting. Stan Van Gundy even talked about it. Stan Van Gundy was like, look, he's, he's three for 11, but he's trying to score. Like, you can't have Josiah just fold up into a turtle. He has to keep shooting. And he opened the second half by burying one. I thought the team played loose. It's like Rick Barnes' best NCAA tournament win since the last time he took Texas to the Elite Eight, which I don't even know when that was. Yeah, it had been like 03, 04, something like Like, I mean, he just, he didn't, for all his faults in the NCAA tournament, like, the team played really loose, I thought. No, yeah, and, like, it helps that there weren't too many actual tense moments because we never really let them get within four, you know, under under ten minutes. Like, we had an answer for every single push they tried to make come while would hit a three or we'd get a layup or you know something of those sorts and who knows maybe if we lose the lead maybe we get tight and Rick gets tight and all that but we never did because come just simply kept draining every jumper he took yeah yeah I mean and I, Duke it was very frustrating because I did feel like we I do feel like we played excellent excellent defense like I was at a watch party with the radio station and I was seeming a little dumb because I kept applauding our defense in the second half as like Proctor was just draining like really contested jumpers and I was like not upset about it because everything they took was completely tough and like you had to just think eventually these college kids are going to start missing some shots and of course they did like I, I, I thought the only time Duke actually got good looks was off of offensive rebounds when they kicked it back out for three I thought that was really the only time they had any space any other time they were getting completely hounded by you know Tennessee's defense I think like twice Roach beat Santi off the dribble I thought that Duke played really well and every time Tennessee got it to nine they would hit a shot it was so annoying and you know Tennessee like I really like I was impressed with Duke like I mean they were really tough like Filipowski got beat up and kept coming back up and after the game he didn't complain about it uh, credit to Duke, like, I mean, they didn't say what the media's been saying. They, you know, I thought they they popped right back up and played with Tennessee. Tennessee was just straight up better than Duke. That's all, that's all it came down to. Tennessee was better. Well, as they were all year. Like, the metrics said they were better. Hot seat for uh, Seth, who was calling the metric people out. The metrics did pretty well. They did. In the opening uh, weekend of the NCAA tournament. I, I do agree with you. Credit to John Shire. And the players for basically just be like, yeah, t- Tennessee was tough as hell. Like, they were a good team, and they just out-physicaled us. And it, it did come down to you had grown men going up against 18-, 19-year-old freshmen. I will say it only took me about five minutes, though, to really start hating Duke again. When they did come out kind of flopping at the beginning, like selling the elbow at the beginning. And the Proctor, for as good as he played offensively, oh, man. I found him to be really annoying just flailing around, falling down. So, like – I won't necessarily call them tough, but it wasn't like, like you said, Philip Filipowski just kept coming and kept trying. And that's what, like, that's what annoys me about them even more is that they kept popping right back up. So, like, why even do the annoying stuff? Like, Proctor was laughing as he was falling down, or smiling as he was falling down. Like, he knew he totally fooled the referee. Well, they got away with it a couple times. So that's probably why they kept doing it the entire game, because the first two or three times worked, and then eventually... I think the game probably changed, Seth, whenever they went and saw Santee hit him with the basketball. Because I do yeah. feel like the refs kind of started giving us the benefit of the doubt. It was a little bit of the boy cry, cries wolf type of thing. And they, they just went too far with the flopping. And I do think they probably missed some foul calls because of that. The refs were like, you're not going to embarrass us here in this game. 
You can't you can't do this every other possession and get away with it. Yeah, I just I feel like I watched a completely different game than what the national media is saying about it. Like I feel like, and I know that the national media spent a week one picking Duke to go to the Final Four and lauding John Shire, and two picking Tennessee to lose to Louisiana. Neither of which came true. So you know, it they had to eat a double dosing of their own words here. Of shit. But Tennessee, like, Tennessee was not playing football. I don't think it was anything, I don't think the Duke game was anything like the Alabama game at home. Where, like, you looked at some of the replays in the Alabama game at home, and it was funny. Like, Tennessee was bodying Alabama, and the rest were just like, yeah, no big deal. I didn't think that was like this. I didn't think, um... Saturday was anything like that. I feel like I've watched a totally, like, Tennessee was better. Tennessee was just straight up better. I mean, look, it's not, had nothing to do with the refs that Derek Lively didn't take a single shot from the field. You know, them swapping the foul call. Yeah, that was egregious. Was one of the most outrageous things I have ever seen happen in real time in a basketball game. That doesn't even happen at Rupp Arena. That was one of the most outrageous things. It was like Jeremy Roach and John Shire were like, look, that's his fifth foul. And the rest were like, okay, okay, well then no big deal. Okay, no big deal. He, it, it wasn't on him, actually. We were wrong. We were wrong. That was absolutely outrageous. Now show me anything that Tennessee got call-wise that was, that was like that. I- well, it's what I told you with the national media. You know, I, we, we argued about this way back in the day, but like with the whole Lane Kiffin stuff, they, that's the first time I really noticed them doing it is whenever they voted USC, you know, that had no offensive line, number one in the country. And then they spent all season absolutely burying him for not living up to those standards despite having scholarship reductions and yeah. no offensive line, and they just made fun of him and like got him fired, basically. And it's like they took it out on him that they were so wrong about it just because he had you know beat Oregon the year before. And then they just turned Lane into a whipping boy. And I think that's what's at play here is, like you said, they picked Tennessee to lose to Louisiana for some reason. And they just kept beating the drum that this team was done without Zakai Ziegler despite this team being a little bit more versatile without Zakai Ziegler, which I wrote on Patreon. Like I said, I, I like the idea of having – Santee as a guard and then having just a three-headed monster on defense of Phillips, Meshack, and Josiah. And those guys, when they were on the floor together, did not let Duke get past the free throw line, really. And so they took it out, and they wanted to make it all about something else that wasn't really relevant. And, and I will say to somewhat try to explain it, because I've been thinking a lot about it over the last couple of days as to why they keep pushing this narrative. And I think it's because it's easy to point to like the first two of the first five plays that Urosh had. And like you can look and say this guy's a goon. And he is a goon. But like that they're trying to extrapolate that out for the next thirty eight minutes, and that's just not true. That's just not how it went. Yeah, I mean Tennessee, like just totally The video of him knocking the guy over on the rebound looks bad. And so they're trying to say the rest of the game was like that, and that's just not how it was. It's Tennessee completely outplayed. And you already have Florida Atlantic's coach trying to beat that drum as well, talking about rugby and all that shit. Yeah, I just, I hate it because, like, 
the, the three seniors deserve all the credit in the world. Okay, like they've been, like you know, this is the third time they've been starters on a team that was a fifth seed or better in the NCAA tournament. Like this is the second really you know really good team they've been on. Like they've won a lot of games and they deserve a lot of credit. And they are pretty much perfect ambassadors for the University of Tennessee. And this season, I don't think has gone like they wanted any of them. But, like, they also knew that none of that mattered, and here they are. And, like, they deserve all the credit in the world for getting to the Sweet 16, just flushing what happened against Missouri and at the end of the season and all that nonsense. What had happened since basically February the 1st and just saying, we're 0-0, zero and zero. it's a four-team tournament, let's go win it. And they haven't gotten any credit. Some of the shots that Vescovy hit, the, the step back in Proctor's face was crazy. That was, like... That was awesome. Like some of the shots he hit, we were up. Like they, they went on that 9-0 run to make it 19 to 13 in the first half. And what do we do? We come back and Santi buries a three and calms us down in the first half. Like Santi hit some huge, huge shots. But we all know what Kamwa did. And like I think Josiah James played well. But I also thought you had a couple of real flashes of athleticism from Phillips and come while on the putback dunks that should be like celebrated highlights, but like those barely get mentioned or highlighted. It's all about Tennessee being goons instead of playing a very skilled game of basketball. It's like I, th- I said a couple weeks ago, like how many times is Olivier Kamwa going to play somebody? His man is going to be more athletic than him. Never. It's not going to happen. Like the guy's a freak athlete. He's really, really good. Like get like people, you know, I saw, you know, they were talking, well, he only shoots 30% from three. Okay, but, like, what did they say? He shoots, like, 50% from, like, well, they had some absurd stat for how well he shoots closer to the basket. I mean, and, like, we can shoot, every Tennessee fan that's watched games this year that that at least semi-knows what they're, what they're looking at has been begging him to shoot the three more. Right. I would say, you know, you talk about anomalies and sample size when it comes to, to statistics. I think him shooting 30% is because he doesn't have enough of a sample size. I think if he shot four threes a game, that percentage would go up to about 34%, 35%. Like, well, even Thursday night, like, I was just like, shoot the three. You have to shoot the three. You're good at it, man. You look so good off the pick and roll at the top of the key shooting the three. You look so good doing it. Keep shooting it. Like, th- those three guys, they should be getting so much credit. Josiah James had seven points, five rebounds, four assists, three steals, and a block. He played a Draymond Green type of game. And I like, Kilby said it today, and I think it's 100% correct. We're going to get to a game in this tournament where Josiah James hits six threes, those random games where he can't miss from three. You know, it wasn't last Saturday, but he still kept trying to score. No, I thought he played a really good game. I don't I don't care what he shot from the field. The first half was a little rough, and, you know, when the, the three he shot, they hit nothing but backboard <laughs> was pretty rough. But the second half, I thought he set the tone early by coming out and hitting that three, and then he hit that. He had that steal, and then he shot like a mid-range jumper, a little runner instead of getting to the rim. I thought he played a great second half. And credit to Santi and Jonas for keeping us in the game in the first half. I thought both of those guys were great. You know, I think really the game, especially the first half, could just be encapsulated by the final possession. Santi getting that offensive rebound <laughs> that kept us, you know, with the ball. Adu was awesome. Adu was awesome. And then instead of them getting a final possession and maybe cut the lead to two or one, we get the last shot. And then Santi has a beautiful pass to Jonas, who got a jam. And 
you know, instead of being a two or one point game, it's a six point game at half. And then in the second half, you know, then you had Kumwa do his job. Yeah, and nobody wanted to win on the floor. Nobody wanted to win more than Vescovy. That, that, like that was extremely obvious. Um, like he he absolutely, you know, emptied emptied the chamber. I mean, it was just awesome. That block he had was was really good too. Yeah, yeah. that that he's rebound. A, he's, he's a good defender. We've talked about that for years. Like he is a good defender. We did not lose. We did not lose much, honestly. If anything at all, it's a net positive in my opinion, especially when you have, uh, you know, that three-headed wing defense out there. But we did not lose much when he became our primary on-ball defender against point guards. Like I know Zakai's a bulldog, but Vescovy's a smart defender too, and really good. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and also, we shot great from the free throw line. 10 to 13. Mayshack with a couple big front ends of one and ones to really stop them from getting any too good of vibes. I know he missed the back end, but the front end, those are those are two big points. Yep. I actually thought Tennessee played pretty well against Louisiana, too. I just thought that five-minute stretch was pretty terrible. It was. I, I, I did not think we played well, except I would say, like, overall we did not play well, but we had some actually really good stretches. But that first half when Vescovy went out with his foul for, like, five minutes, we couldn't score. Granted, Louisiana wasn't scoring either, but we just looked completely lost, and then that 13-0 run was pretty bad. But yeah, th- this dude, this dude who averaged 3.6 points a game, hitting nine, hitting three straight threes, was yeah. yeah. I mean, what can you say? Like, I, I mean, I just I thought Tennessee actually did put together its best two-game stretch in like months. Um, obviously, not scoring like the last like how many points they scored like the last 12 minutes against Louisiana that was terrible. But, like, they actually, back-to-back games for the first time in a long time, I felt like. Anything else about Duke before we get to some questions? Uh, no, I did think, I do think Phillips played well, and I actually liked how Tyreek Key played over the weekend as well. I thought everybody played well that played against Duke. You know, did they did some things well. I'm not saying everyone played a great overall game, but I had no problems with anybody that got on the floor. All right, let's get to some patron questions. Patreon.com slash Reed's Ranch, New York City Gate coming up this week as we hit the road to go to the Big Apple. But first, let's give a new shout-out. New $5 patron, Luke Howe. Shout-out to Brother Luke. We love you and appreciate you. All right, let's get to some uh, questions. Brother Kilby asks, are Ohio State, Duke, and 1v2 Memphis the three best wins in school history, and is that the correct order? What other games would you consider? Uh, won't pretend to be a historian, so we'll just answer this through the lens of like since 2000 or you know yeah. even like you know mid 90s. This, by the way, this was our seventh Sweet 16 since 2000 or 90, 98, 99, seventh. Tennessee has been to an insane amount of Sweet 16s in our lifetime, especially compared to the rest of the history. Obviously, yeah for for a for a football first school in the SEC, and just there's not many programs that have been to that many. Over the past 23 years. That is why it's frustrating that we've only broken through to the Elite Eight once. But yeah, in, in, in Tennessee's history, 1967, 1981, and then yeah, 2000, 07, 08, 10, 14, 19, 23. Only two times in your history before 2000 is crazy to me. Yeah, yeah. 
And, of course, the only Elite Eight 2010. So with all due respect to the the history, like I said, anything before 2000, not going to remember many. Uh, but so Memphis, Duke, and Ohio State. Was Saturday's win bigger than Memphis? Because my snap reaction is that it isn't. Mine is that it is, yeah. Okay, so you think the Duke win was bigger than the Memphis win? Yeah, I think that um, you just beat Duke. Yeah, but it's not Coach K Duke. To me, it's that, still to Duke. Me, that matters a little bit. And to go to the Sweet 16 um, by double digits, that's something that no Tennessee fan ever thought they would see, in my opinion. And the Memphis 1v. I have Memphis uh, 1v2-3. I, I, I told you we were going to beat Duke, but either way, whatever. Um, no, you I mean, but... You, you didn't believe it, I did. You know what I mean. I have Memphis 3. Okay. Um, and Ohio State 1, yeah. Ohio State feels like number 1... Yeah, to me, you know, I guess, I guess, like I said, I'm still going to go with the the Memphis game just because we just went it, we just laid it out. We've made a bunch of Sweet Sixteens, relatively speaking. Yeah, I know beating Duke was cool, and I'm not going to downplay it, but I do think if it was Coach K, it'd be even bigger. But if oh yeah, for sure, for sure it would be. I, I think. Uh, where does FAU rank if you beat FAU? Does that crack the top three? Does that knock anything away? Does that would you take that over Memphis? Just hypothetically speaking, not to uh, probably not because it's FAU. Of course, it would be to get to the Elite Eight, but still, it's FAU. Yeah, probably not because it's FAU. I mean, whenever I think that we beat be... either Kansas State or Michigan State, that'll probably go to number one though to get to the Final Four. So that's my answer. I go Ohio State, Memphis, Duke. It sounds like Seth's going Ohio State, Duke, Memphis. Yes. And then probably my number four would be like beating Kentucky in that 2019 SEC tournament in the semis. Yeah. That was pretty uh, cool. Beating UConn when they were the defending national championships to go Sweet 16 was, was pretty cool. Okay. I remember watching that game at, at my granddad's. Um, so I guess that was... 2000. Two, we were a four seed, I believe. And then like we played North Carolina or whoever who was like the 8-9... I went back and rewatched like the last six minutes of that North Carolina game, and it was excruciating. And I'm so glad that I was. I remember being at my friend's house for a sleepover and us barely watching it. And I'm so glad I wasn't like a huge fan at that point. I, I've talked about it before. Like I was pretty late to becoming like a, a big fan just because none of my family really cared about it. So it, it, I was like, it wasn't until like 03, 04, 05 until I became like you know big into really football too, honestly. But um, we should probably yeah, like that team, like that. Connecticut was the defending national championships, and they beat them by 14 to go to the Sweet 16. That's uh, pretty stout. Go back and rewatch that last, like, six minutes of that Carolina game. Actually, absolutely excruciating. We, we, we go scoreless for, like, five minutes and t- turn a seven-point lead into, like, a five-point deficit. <clears throat> absolutely miserable. And I'm just glad I wasn't around for it, really. Yeah, that, that would have been excruciating. Brother Brett asks, how many more wins will it take for you to love this team? You know, uh, I got to say that it really just takes the seniors playing well to get me in my feels. Like, uh, watching Santi play so well, like, at the very least, he's going down as a legend. And I've always been a Kumwa fan. I've always seen the potential there. And I'm glad that he finally had that type of performance, you know, outside of the one-off against Texas. 
as long as Josiah doesn't just like absolutely shit the bed, like he's back on my good side too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think they need to beat Florida Atlantic. Look, I, I think for as happy as everyone is now and how good the Bobs are, yeah, I think they yeah, undo all yeah. of it if they lose to Florida. Atlantic. I agree. I agree. I would say that if they were playing Purdue this Thursday night, I think that for a lot of people, what they had done, like losing to a one seed, you know, I think that people would be able to live with that. But now I think they have to beat they have to beat the nine seed. They have to beat FAU. I mean, it's it's you know, they're they can get to the final four without having to beat a one or a two seed. They can get to the final four with the with the with the top seeded team that they'll have to beat was last Saturday. Yeah, I would say that's very possible. I mean, Michigan State's favored in that game, so. There, you know, um, yeah, I get. I forget that Kansas State is a three. I, I, I'm still, yeah, Kansas State. Obviously, I forgot. I mean, there's a good chance that Tennessee goes to the. You know, like, Tennessee never has to wear their road uniforms. Like uh, Tennessee needs to beat FAU. I think they actually need to close the deal and get to the Final Four to not like have just such a deflate deflation because I do think losing to either Kansas State or Michigan State would suck. But if you make the Elite Eight and you do something that's only been done one other time in history, like this, the team will be stamped. Yeah. I think it'd be pretty devastating if we lost that Elite Eight game as well. It would but, be. Um, like, I, I don't remember being devastated really against Michigan State. I, it was kind of like house money at that point. I do not feel like it'll be house money in the Elite Eight this year if we get there. Yeah. It'll be like, hey, do the job. So I'll say, to answer just the question, I think if they at least make the Elite Eight, this team will go down as very positively remembered. A Final Four would, you know, stamp it in everybody's book. Yeah. Brother Marwan, a.k.a. Marwan, asks, what was your favorite play slash sequence from the game? It's a good question. I, I think, I don't, I don't remember if it was the exact sequence. No, I know it wasn't, actually. Um... I mean, the one, like, back-to-back plays that stands out to me was really, like, the Santee offensive rebound that led to a bucket right before half because going up at six and a half just felt so good, and that's when I thought we were really going to win. Like, I was pretty confident at that point. Yeah. I mean, the the Phillips put back, I think that put us up nine, if I remember correctly, and sorry if I'm a little bit off on these, but, like, that one, you're just like, oh, shit, we might blow them out. Now, granted, like you've pointed out, they just kept hitting shot after shot, but the Phillips put back was really, really good. And then Kumwa, I mean, just three possessions in a row. I mean, I can't pick just one. Yeah. Tennessee was up 46-42, to and um, they really couldn't pull away. Like, Duke had come back again and cut it to four, and Kamwa hit a floater to make it 48-42, and then the next possession, he buries a triple. We got a steal, and then he buried a triple, right? Yeah, to to put us back up nine, and like then yet again, Filipowski hit, hit a runner. To, to, you know, we we couldn't just absolutely bury them, but it was like they cut it to four, and then next you they you know you blink and Tennessee's up nine again thanks to five straight points from Kamwa. That was a pretty stout sequence. Like I said, I really thought that when we were down nineteen to thirteen after that nine zero run, and Santi buries a three. I thought that was a really big play. And then there was another time in the second half where Santi hit a three, um, a spot-up three, where, like, Duke looked exhausted. And Santi had, like, just ran to the top of the key and caught it and shot it and buried it. I really liked that. Yeah, the the first half three was so big because I remember being so deflated. Like, we were up three. 
They had one second on the shot clock. They inbound the pass, brick a three, but get an offensive rebound. Or maybe miss some mid-range jumper. Get an offensive rebound, then bury a three, and then, yeah, go in a, a 9-0 run. And we're down six. I'm like, oh, no. Like, we can't go down too far with this offense. And then, boom, Santee three, which sent us on our own run. And that that was probably the actual, like, biggest play of the game. If you look at, like, morale and, and not letting the game get too far. You know, I'm sure the come wash shots will do more for, like, win percentage and such, but... I remember like being pretty nervous whenever they were on their 9-0 run, and then I felt relieved that when he hit that. Yeah, they they hit some threes in the first half that just annoyed me, like the the the, the offensive rebound, and then the one that white the second three they hit from Whitehead in transition. I was just like, you've got to be joking. But then they calmed down, and they you know the defense took over. That 9-0 run they had, like I said, it was pretty much the only open looks they had all day. I thought. I mean, like, 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 Roach beat Santi off the dribble twice, I think, in the second half that I remember. Maybe once was Proctor and once was Roach. I think Roach had, like, a step back three, but, like, that was it. Like, they they really clamped down. I mean, Lively did not attempt a shot, which, again, is, is still blows my mind. It's absolutely insane to me that he did not attempt a shot. But, hey, he can block shots. <laughs> he can, you know... Brother Jackie, a.k.a. The Law Dog, asks, do you think the narrative that Tennessee is a hyper-physical, dirty team helps or hurts us Thursday slash Saturday in terms of opponent mindset and referees? I don't know if the numbers are going to bear this out. I assume they're going to bear them out in our favor, but I think that we are going to be just such a – we're going to have such an advantage over FAU or Kansas State on the boards that – the, the mentality or I guess the, the reputation is not going to matter much. I just think we're so much bigger than FAU. And I thought Kansas State was pretty weak, really, you know, against Kentucky on the boards. Michigan State, I know they're just an ugly Big Ten team, so maybe maybe they'll just make that game an absolute slot fest too on both sides. Maybe Michigan State will want to roll around in the mud with us. I was going to say, t- Tennessee versus Michigan State, it won't be – it won't be like, you know, the, the referees aren't going to – aren't going to – call things with like such critical eye against Michigan State because they play the exact same way they have for years like they want to make it as ugly as possible too FAU I just truly don't feel like has the dogs to make it matter like I don't think their guards will be able to penetrate and get to the rim enough like at enough frequency to really matter but I could see a couple early fouls called on Meshack that maybe changes that if he's trying to get up on somebody I honestly, I mean, this is this is obviously the nightmare scenario. Everyone's talking about it, like that the media is going to create this narrative. So Tennessee is just called for fouls, fouls. I actually, I don't think so because Tennessee didn't play like that on Saturday. Eurosh is, and I don't think Duke's complaining either. Like so, like it's not like Duke's sending things to the office to be like, "Hey, watch this," like. Yeah, Seth Greenberg and Jay Billis are mad. Seth Greenberg picked Duke to go to Final Four, and Jay Billis played at Duke. And the ACC guys. And ACC guys. Which and is, the ACC's is, real reputation was on the line, Like to be honest. like I understand why they feel so gutted by it, because that conference is basically on life support when you look at what's going on in football, and now they don't even have basketball, really. Yeah. Pat Forty, he picked Duke to go to the Final Four. Like, all these guys, like I said, like they had to eat a double dosing. And they don't like being told that they're wrong in the first place. Especially not by us. Yeah. 
You know, they do not like being told that they're wrong in the first place. I mean, but I didn't think Tennessee played like that Saturday, so I don't think it will matter again because I don't think that people like Jamal Meshack and Josiah Jordan-James, Julian Phillips, and Vescovy, who is just an amazing college defender, they don't have to play like that to be great on defense. And I'll also say I read stats by Will this morning. Subscribe to his Substack. I hope I didn't not butchering this, but I believe he said that fouls in every NCAA tournament game is basically down three fouls per game, like compared to the regular season. So it seems like they've made a concerted effort to just call less fouls and let guys be a little bit more physical because nobody wants to watch a free throw shooting contest, which has been the funniest thing to me is like people are wanting more fouls and more officiating and more free throws. That's the thing we've complained about for the last like five years when it comes to college basketball. Again, like these are people that have a stake in Duke's success because like, you know, they're paid to to give their opinion and they both gave two opinions about this little quadrant of games and both were wrong. Both were wrong. And, you know, they, I know that they absolutely thought they were golden when Duke just hammers Oral Roberts. So, I don't think so, Jackie, because I don't think Tennessee played like that Saturday. I think Tennessee just played great defense, but like Tennessee hit shots against Duke. Like they, they like Tennessee just kept hitting. Tennessee just kept playing great offense. Did you think it was smart for him to go to his own for Shire to go to his own? I mean, I always think it's smart against Tennessee to go against his own. But like, if Cumwas hitting the mid range jumper or the three pointers, I think it's obsolete. That's why I think I called him my my X factor. You know, last week. It's just he opens up the offense so much for Tennessee, and I didn't blame Shire for going to zone because, you know, that we have gotten stifled by it a couple times this year, but I think once Conway hits a couple shots, that, like I said, just becomes uh, obsolete. And also, like, in a zone, like, you are susceptible to offensive rebounding, and I think we've proven to be a really good offensive rebounding team. What did you think about Dennis Gates' decision to run zone against Princeton? I'm going to be honest, I didn't watch really any of that. I was watching Arkansas versus Kansas, but I know they got absolutely smashed by it, so. Yeah. Bad showing for Missouri. Tough, tough, tough break for Dennis Gates. Just uh, enough to fuck me, though, because I had uh, Utah State. I really wanted Utah State in the Sweet 16, so they really fucked me there and then shit the bed against Princeton. Brother uh, Matt Krebs asks, Thoughts on this year's path to the Final Four versus the 2019 team's path? So 2019 would have been, we had to beat Colgate, Iowa, Purdue. Purdue had to play, what, Virginia? Like, I mean, obviously that was a pretty tough one. Like, this one's much 18, easier. 18 was the year. 18 was the year where it was like just Loyola, Tennessee was going to have to. would have played Nevada. They were going to have to beat an eight seed to go to the Final Four. Right. I assume that's what he actually meant to ask. Yeah. Uh, well, I guess on one hand, this you know Tennessee hasn't. Tennessee's not gonna have to face a mid major that's like just catching fire like they had to with Loyola. On the flip side, they had to beat Bruce Weber to go to a Final Four, and it looks like they're gonna have to face Tom Izzo. So I think that the 18 was easier. I think it's up to whether or not Izzo's there waiting because Izzo on one day of rest in the tournament has a crazy record I've seen people talking about. 
23 and 7. Yeah, and like obviously he is a legend, a Hall of Famer, and you know, everyone talks about his March success. If we play Kansas State, I really like that matchup. So I'll think of it as a pretty easy road to the final four. But at the same time, if if you have to beat Duke, even without Coach K, if you have to beat Duke and Tom Izzo, I'm not going to let anybody tell Tennessee that they didn't earn it. You know what I mean? And, and uh, one underrated thing about the 2018 bracket is that they would have had to beat, like, they, they if they beat Loyola, they got to beat Eric Musselman in the Sweet 16. And the guy, listen, the guy is annoying, but he is nails in the tournament. And that Nevada team, I mean, they had the Martin twins. You know, Loyola beat them, obviously, but... It wasn't, you know, Nevada was pretty good, but I still think just the fact you had to beat Bruce Weber to go to the Final Four versus, you know, likely Tom Izzo, give me the uh, 2018 team. Yeah, but that damn nun. Oh, man. Brother Techval asks. Although I will say Kansas State's coach has got a God thing going on too, so we might have to be fighting the higher powers uh, ourselves again. Much like with Sister Jean, so keep 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 that in mind. He said coaching was his profession, but ministry is his purpose. He, I knew he used to coach at like a Christian high school. Yeah, yeah. Um, I thought it was crazy that like Kansas State just had better players than Kentucky, just like straight up better players. Like, yeah, Kentucky had Oscar. Yeah, I was gonna say I don't know if I agree with that from watching the game, but Noel was the best player on the court. Like, I, I will say that. Like he. He had uh, more dog in him than anybody else. I thought Kentucky kind of got screwed by fishing, to be honest. Like, I thought I thought uh, Wallace got fouled on a drive. They didn't call it. And then they turned around on the next possession, and Noel got to shoot free throws. They said he was <laughs> shooting when he was clearly passing. I kind of felt bad for Kentucky, which was really because I'd back Kentucky. But Well, I felt bad for Memphis. I mean, I, I, felt, I felt pretty bad for Memphis. Yeah, that was a tough way to lose. It's just like... Dude, he's right in front of you calling a timeout. Especially for someone like Alex Lomax, who, like, has been there. Like, he, Alex Lomax obviously really loves Memphis and plays hard and, like, has been there forever. And he's sitting there right in front of the referee calling timeout. That being said, Memphis, like, did some dumb stuff. They're out here fighting themselves in the, in the huddle. I mean, it was kind of funny to see Penny throw the water bottle, too. Oh, yeah. And with a, the form of a unathletic girl. Or unathletic boy, honestly. But yeah, I, I did feel bad for Memphis. Oven wants to know if we're going to get a rant about the Negavols, to which I would say no. No, we're not getting a rant about the Negavols today because the job ain't finished. We we can't turn around and lose to FAU. You can't do too much of a victory lap whenever the victory hasn't been won. This team has to make at least an Elite Eight. I'll say a Final Four. And plus, like, 50% of this podcast is a Negavol. Not not me, but 50% of this podcast didn't believe in these boys. Again, not not me, but 50% of this podcast. Brother Tech Vol, a.k.a. a Milton Maniac, asked for you. Who's in charge of the aux cord for the drive from Knoxville to New York City? All right, Seth. Are you coming or are you not? I've hooked you up with tickets. I'm leaning to it. I'm leaning towards yes. For both or just Saturday? Just Saturday, most likely. But we would not have an aux cord tech. We would uh, it will meet there, and he's going to fly. 
I would say that, you know, me and Seth, I could just throw in, I got like a nine-hour Americana playlist. I'd imagine we just pop that in and just ride to it is, is kind of what I, how I see that going. Seth's not really a control freak when I've ridden with him before. We'd probably keep it low and just talk and have conversation. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you, we wouldn't be listening to music, I wouldn't think. I also think that it just, it always depends on who's driving. Like, that to me is who gets to control the music. If I'm not driving, then the other person gets to control the music. Like, and if I'm driving with somebody, I don't really want to listen to music that much anyway because I want to talk. I like it on for background noise, and then, like, I think if you're driving, you reserve the right. I, I'm fine with the passenger, like, controlling it, but I'm, I, like, you take requests and you hit skip when you have to and things like that. Yeah. But, yeah, we would mostly just talk and have it on as background noise. He also asked for me, the Vols win in New York City to go to the Final Four, but now you have to live there for five years. Do you take the deal? I'm not living in New York City for five years. Seth's no. rolling the dice. <laughs> Because we are the favorites. We are like plus 120 to go to the Final Four. You don't have to strike deals. You don't have to make deals with the devil, the devil of the Big Apple, to, to cash in as a plus 120. We're not, we're not some crazy long shots. We're just going to get it done. The boys are going to do it. Tennessee is the best team remaining in its bracket. Like this, you know, it's arguable whether this has ever happened before. I mean... I don't know if we've ever been the favorite to win the region, honestly. Like, not, not that I can I, remember. I, yeah. I can't remember either. Like, even in 2018, like... Especially not even money favorite, basically. Yeah, like, 2018, you, you had you had Kentucky at the top half of the bracket at the four seed. I mean, but it's never been like this that I've ever... Like, Tennessee is by far and away, you know, the, the, the best team. Which I guess against Michigan State in 2010, we might have been like a one-point favorite, but I remember it being like a pick basically either way. Were they a five seed that year? They were, yeah, they were low seated just like we were. Um, but you know, we're five point favorites in this game, which I think is really, really low. The, the numbers say we should be like nine or ten point favorites. And then I think in this uh, Elite Eight game, we'll be like at least four and a half, five point favorites again in that one, if I'm guessing. Three and a half at the worst, I think. There's not another top twenty team remaining in the bracket. I like our chances. We got to get it done. You know, there's some people like Gonzaga, like Gonzaga's having to play the number three overall team on Kim Palm. I mean, uh, the only thing we got going against us is that I got way too much money on us to make the final four. That's the only thing we got going against us. Yeah. Which, which I told you I was going to bet on us to make the Sweet 16 to pay for my trip to New York City. And now we're trying to use that to pay for the trip to final the final four. <laughs> way too much money on Tennessee to win these next two games. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, it's just Tennessee. Tennessee has to win Thursday night. Like I just, I, I don't want any. Like as great as Saturday was, like it, uh, it Tennessee has to win for me Thursday night. Like I, I Tennessee's got to win. I want this Final Four badly because we never had one, but I want it for Rick Barnes because I mean, I just it solidifies Hall of Fame resume, which I think he's kind of done enough with that already. But like. Taking two schools of the Final Four is a big accomplishment. It's a, it's a massive accomplishment, and for the man to, like, I just, he's a really good person. And as badly as we want to win, it doesn't even hold a candle to Rick Barnes. And you think about, like, all the crap he's had happen to him in this NCAA tournament. And don't forget how many times you've canceled him. And how many times I've canceled him and uncanceled him or whatever. He is a good man. And... 
you know, it's good when good men succeed, and it's good when a team full of good players, like good guys, succeed. You couldn't ask for a nicer person, a better young man than Josiah Jordan James. You couldn't do it. Just like you couldn't ask for a better representative for the university than Hennon Hooker. We do have good dudes. The only fault that Santi ever, has ever had is that he likes to fight too much. He's always looking for a fist fight, but he just loves his boys. Uh, you know... But they got to win Thursday. They got they got to. They got to. I, I I also am surprised they're only five point favorites. Yeah. People still think no point guard. People still think fluke against Duke. Florida Atlantic has thirty three wins. I mean they're a good mid major team. I just don't see how they're going to overcome the size issue, especially with how well we perform on defense on the perimeter. Yeah. No. I just don't see them being able to stop us getting to the rim either, unless they just call a charge on every single thing, which is possible. Maybe they put the hit out on us. I don't know. But, like, much like I laughed at the prospect of the NCAA wanting us to beat Duke for, like, ratings and all that, like, the conspiracy theorists that Duke got the bad whistle. I That's also, been amazing to I, me. That's I been also amazing. I'm flipping around and just don't see them wanting FAU over us either. So I think that might work in our favor this time. Like, Je- Jeff Goodman, Jeff Goodman on his Field of 68 podcast, live stream, whatever you want to call it. After the game, you know, they asked him, it was the three of them, if they were taking Tennessee. Um, and he said, no, he's not, because he doesn't think every single officiating crew is going to call Tennessee like the one Saturday did. So for those keeping score at home, Jeff Goodman, the probably the biggest insider in college basketball, is saying that Tennessee beat Duke in basketball game in an NCAA tournament game because the referees want... Because of the referees! The referees! Like, it's just, it boggles the mind. That's like saying Tennessee beat Alabama in football because of the referees. No, Alabama just committed a ton of penalties! Which I think Alabama fans did say the same thing. They said it, exactly, that's what I'm saying. They said it nonstop, but no. Alabama just committed a bunch of penalties as is, and Tennessee had Hinton Hooker. Like, Tennessee didn't beat Duke because of referees. They beat Duke because they they really had two players better than anything Duke had in Vescovy and Kamwa. And it was that simple. And I think it's the age-old cliche, the age-old adage that they wanted it more. And I got that feeling very early on that Tennessee wanted it more. It meant more to them. They have had, and as corny as this might sound, Seth, they have had more blood, sweat, and tears for this Tennessee basketball program than those freshmen have for Duke. And I, I truly feel like it meant much more to them. No, it's not corny at all. It was very obvious. It was extremely obvious in the first half that of the 10 people out there at any given time, none of them wanted to win as badly as Santiago Vescovi did. It wasn't even close. Nobody was even close. He was he was doing everything. It, it's not crazy. Those three guys have lost some awful, awful games in the NCAA tournament. They've lost awful games by simply not performing against Oregon State, and they've just lost some just awful games, like last year against Michigan. Like, they just... I'm sure Santi just wanted to play good in the NCAA tournament one time. You know, but he wasn't going to lose, and Kamwa wasn't going to lose. It is that simple. They did care more. And, like... It's, this isn't like, yeah, Duke's, these guys are going to go play in the NBA, and good for them. They'll, they'll be very good, I'm sure, whatever. But this is the college basketball. It's a tournament game. Who cares about that? 
CB wants you to explain how your YouTube algorithm's looking. Well, I posted a picture. Um, it is um, it's two college basketball things. It's a it's a Call of Duty Warzone video, a Civilization Six video, and a uh, and a video about a book. So I'm surprised it actually wasn't anything about space on there because I've been listening to so many podcasts on space, specifically about black holes. I've been listening to a lot of stuff on black holes. Anything you want to share? Did you know that did you know that you can actually orbit a black hole? Like you don't have to be sucked in to the event horizon and become part of the singularity. Like you can just orbit a black hole like it's the sun. Did you know this? <laughs> Seth, why would I know that? I'm not a I, I had no idea. Things you can just orbit the black hole. You can just you can just chill and orbit the black hole. Things do escape from black holes too. It's not always Hawking radiation, named after Stephen Hawking, that escapes from black holes. Well, I had I could at least figure that out that it was Stephen Hawking that had that. Um, I don't have any. Uh, I don't do YouTube really. My Instagram reels are probably the closest thing that's algorithm in me. Right now, I'm, I'm watching my suggested reels. The first one we have is a... Uh, for some reason, I'm starting getting like blackjack and poker hands of watching people do that. Okay. Um, I've kind of cycled off. I think I've made it all the way to the end, Seth, of women getting dressed and showing off their outfits. I think I made it to the end of that, and they said they've ran out of reels for that. Uh, so now I'm doing a lot of poker, blackjack, and then a lot of wrestling stuff. Stuff from like the early, the mid '90s, early 2000s, from WWF and WCW, and then uh, trends where girls are like wearing baggy clothes and then they take it off and it, they're wearing a bikini, and showing off big natural milkers. <laughs> the milk truck has arrived. The milk truck has arrived. <laughs> they always have a little annoying song. You gotta wait like 10 seconds, but then boom, big natural milkers just right there waiting on you. This is a very, this is a big naturals podcast. So that's what my algorithm's giving me. I mean, it doesn't care. Okay, I don't think you can get much more American than than gambling and big naturals. Don't I just get wrestling. Don't get wrestling. Don't wrestling, wrestling too. Highlights of Stone Cold and the <laughs> NWO and the Undertaker. I mean, this, is, this is a man's man. Is the vibe I'm getting. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with they might they'll make you think that there is something wrong with liking big naturals and there's not. It's the it's it's natural. It's the first thing we learn as a kid. It is. Mama. <laughs> That's all um, I've got. I love you. I can't wait to hug you inside of uh, historic Madison Square Garden. We always talk about historic stadiums and arenas, but damn it, we, this might is truly. Actually, we might actually get to be in the most historic in the U.S. I can't wait. I love you. I will talk to you soon. Are we going to Go are, are beat Florida Atlantic? Yes, yes. Tennessee's going to beat Florida Atlantic. They can't hang. They can't hang. Are we going to the Final Four? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Makes me uneasy that you believe. I kind of wish you didn't, but I, I, I agree. I agree. All right, love you. I'll talk to you soon. All right, bye-bye. See you, everybody. I want to set off alarms, deal out the cards, smoke Cuban cigars, and get kicked out of bars before two. 
But only if it's with you I wanna drive down to Texas Flip off my exes Get kind of reckless And have wild, wild, wild sex under the moon But only if it's with you I got some baggage Let's do some damage I'm not made for no A wedding tonight Get drunk by the lights Then I'll pick a fight To make up on the floor Of your own But only If it's with you I wanna cut off my hair And kick off my boots Dance in the wind Just to do it again Oh it's true But only If it's with you 